up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined, as always, by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. Top of the top, Laker Nation. What's good? Got another good one for all you Laker fans today. How did the Lakers end up tuning out the Jazz? How was the West one? What needs to improve? And who will the Lakers face in the first round? We're breaking that all down. And more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our newly renovated website, theshowtimeforum.com. That's theshowtimeforum.com. We got some new writers. We got some new contributors. We got a lot of up-to-date stuff going on there. So make sure to check out that website, Chaz. Man, oh man, the NBA restart is back. We have got live games. The bubble has so far, so far, looked to be a smashing success. A lot of zero positive tests uh, out of, what, 340 players and personnel and coaches and whatnot. So that aspect has been good. We've seen a lot. We've seen three games since the last time you and I recorded this. So the Lakers... As of Monday night, our Western Conference champions for the first time since the 2009-2010 season. They overcame kind of a sluggish start in the first half to the Utah Jazz. Jazz came out to play. Obviously, they're fighting for playoff positioning and whatnot. They were they were trying to uh, over um, kind of overcome a tough loss to a very tough loss, I should say, to the Oklahoma City Thunder over the weekend. So they were ready to play. Lakers. It took them a while, but right around the 10 minute mark of the third quarter, they they really. Uh, put it on the Jazz, both ends of the floor, and didn't really look back after that. And for the first time in 10 years, they have won the Western Conference. Unbelievable stuff, man. I mean, this is th- this was great. This, I mean, this is something that we had ex- we had hoped for. But hell, just to see the Lakers back in the postseason would have been great. But to actually see them 51 and 15, best record in the Western Conference, unbelievable, man. It, it, we knew it was coming, but it feels good to say that. If you didn't like us when we had the lineup of Ronnie Price and Chris Kamen, Ryan Kelly, Jor- Jor- Jordan Hill, Ryan Kelly, then you de- can't have us at our Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, Dion Waiters. We are a completely different team. We are now in the playoffs. It's for sure going to happen. Currently 51-15 and 15 as the Western Conference regular season champions, and it feels so, so great, so great. Oh, man, and it- Last night's game uh, with the Jazz, I mean, it just proved that it's re- there's no one standing in the Lakers' way other than the Clippers and the Lakers. You know, Jazz, I don't, not, to, not to interrupt you, but you brought up the, all of the previous Lakers who were kind of mixed and matched together through the years. And I remember during those years as a young younger journalist covering the Lakers at the old facility at the Toyota Sports Center. I covered a few Laker practices, and I remember seeing Ronnie Price in there. I remember seeing Larry Nance Jr., Sean Williams, Jabari Brown, guys that were G-leaguers that were trying to get, at that time, it was just a, a, a multi-year deal. Vander Blue, guys that I was covering when I was also covering the LA Defenders, the Ryan Kellys. And by the way, let me just say, these are all stand-up guys, but man, it's hard to believe. It almost feels like another lifetime ago, and it was only six, seven years ago, when these guys were making up the Laker roster. 
And now we look at, we've got LeBron James, Anthony Davis. We've got a slew of great veterans, great, a really good coach in Frank Vogel. But I just wanted to throw that out there because, like you said, if you were not a fan of that time, then you won't appreciate this as much. You won't appreciate no, no. those those down years, you know. As a mean, you know, Phil Jackson always talked about the journey and the journey to get you from the bottom now toward the top. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome, man. I don't know if there's going to be a parade, maybe a virtual parade, if we win the championship. But if you weren't a Laker fan when Chris Kamen was laying on the bench, oh. literally by himself, because we didn't have enough players in Cleveland, yeah. uh, in, in Cleveland, then I don't think you deserve to be basking in the ambiance of the champions once we bring the, the title home mm, but yeah. it's, it's it's really it's really good to see um and i'm just happy to to know that we're uh, an overall healthy team right now right uh, we're, we're, we're getting you know we're working our way back to being the team that we were in march uh before the hiatus began due to coronavirus and i like the way that the lakers played last night and i like the way that they're playing overall in the bubble uh, we'll talk. We'll take a look at areas of improvement and, sure. and clinching the number one seed. But let's let's start off with what went on last night. What were some of the standouts for, from you last night uh, in that Jazz Lakers game? Um, to start, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Anthony Davis's dominant, aggressive performance. I mean, he took it at. Rudy Gobert, a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, arguably the best defensive center we have in the game. Obviously, you have Jokic, you have Embiid, you have Carl Anthony Towns, all great centers, but those guys don't impact the game defensively like Gobert can. And I said on my own podcast on Camelo's Corner earlier that day that I think Anthony Davis is going to he's gonna take it at Rudy. He's coming off of a rough performance. I mean, that was a rough team performance against the Toronto Raptors Saturday night. Uh, but Davis only took seven shots, and I thought he kind of fell too much. He was trying to um, comp- he was reacting to the defense. He was trying to comp- compensate with what the defense was giving him instead of attacking the guys like Abaka and Gasol and and Pascal Siakam. Now he was asserting himself. He was six of fourteen at one point in the first quarter. Ended up with forty two points. Made a lot of big plays late in that game, and he took it right at Rudy Gobert. So it was great to see that dog come out of Anthony Davis. And uh, I thought the rest of the team was able to feed off of that, and uh, it was just a tremendous performance. I thought LeBron kind of put the finishing touches in the fourth quarter. I don't want to say he had 10 of or 12 of his 22 points in the in the final frame. So he he started getting it going, made a lot of big threes. Uh, the bench, once again, providing the spark, providing the energy. Deion Waiters, Caruso, uh, D, uh, Dwight Howard look, looked solid last night after a rough performance against the Raptors. And uh, Kyle Kuzma, nine points, didn't shoot the ball that well, but made a big three there at the end. So, And it was good to see Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Yeah, they, they, were, they didn't hit a lot of threes but they started to get more into it offensively and uh, e- even though they, they were getting run off the line attacking the basket, scoring on some floaters finishing at the rim and I think for them just to see the ball go through was, was big so outside of that third quarter where they turned the ball over twice and jazz, the Jazz went on an 8-0 run I thought they um, they really put their foot on the gas in that third quarter shut down Donovan Mitchell, shut down Conley and uh, was able to pull away The third quarter has got to be the quarter Kind of like the where the Warriors made you know a lot of their leads and won a lot of their games, if not in the first quarter when they just punched you in the face. Same thing with the third quarter coming out uh, out of halftime. The Lakers have to do the same thing, especially in this bubble moving forward. That third quarter was exactly what you wanted to see. 
Uh, not to start because the Lakers did give up eight quick points to start the half. And two turnovers. Uh, and, and, and two turnovers. But yeah. they ended up going on a 16-2 run in that third quarter. And we're really outside of Davis, Anthony Davis, obviously his 42 points, his 14 rebounds, um, his overall plus-minus, uh, plus seven, four assists, three steals, a block. I mean, I can't say enough about the guy. And, and he hit 50% of his threes and only missed three of his free throws when he went to the line mm-hmm. 15 times. So, right. I mean, we I, I can't say enough about that guy. Uh, Rudy Gobert, um, <laughs> I know a lot of people have been bigging him up a lot. My cousin, who is you know, been bigging up Rudy Gobert for a long time, especially to start the season, he actually compared Rudy Gobert to Anthony Davis um, overall, and I, I couldn't believe he did, he said that. So, I mean, it's months later. I mean, this is we're talking literally. It's almost a year later now that due to this hiatus. But he actually texted me today and said, "I'm going to take this L for bigging up Rudy Gobert." At the beginning of the season, LOL, and I just told him, "Huge, that's a, that's a huge L that you're taking." <laughs> but I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're owning up to it because Anthony Davis made Rudy Gobert look like he wasn't even in his league. So, no. out, outside of those two things, what really stood out to me was the combination of Waiters, Kuzma, and Caruso right. pl- playing minutes together. Mm. Um, their offensive net rating is 135, defensive rating of 78. A overall net rating of fifty six and a half. I mean, it, it's absurd. It's it's pretty much the greatest uh, three man uh, net rating that you could have in the bubble so far. And obviously, th- those three played with Anthony Davis on the floor. Yeah. And I really I really like the pick and pop and the pick and roll uh, of Dion Waiters and AD with LeBron sitting on the bench. What so, a fantastic playmaker! Sorry to interrupt, Jazz. What a fantastic oh play playmaker Dion is. This uh, Dion has become and. Uh, how willing he has become as a playmaker. So he's not only looking to find his shot, which we all expected him to do, but he's doing a great job finding the open man. So, I mean, hats off to uh, to the bubble cheese, man. He's 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 been as good as delivered so far. Bubble cheese. He's been, yeah, he's been better than advertised because his playmaking, we thought that, we, you know, you hear about Waiters Island and you hear about, you know, his step backs and, you know, the big shots that he's been able to hit, his high arcing shot, mm-hmm. uh, but, but his playmaking. I remember I saw I saw a play, I think it was uh, game one or two in the bubble, and he pretty much gave it in and out and then gave a cross-court pass to Caruso for a three. And I was like, oh, man, we have something here. And he's been able to keep it up and keep it consistent. Obviously, he had his worst game in the bubble, I think, last game against Toronto. Yeah. Well, nobody, uh, like I said, nobody really played well in that game. Yeah. But yeah. yeah no, nobody played well, obviously, but uh, they bounced back. And I really like the way he was, had had a little chemistry with AD, even though he had, hasn't played with AD like that mm-hmm. before. Looks like they had a little chemistry. They've been practicing, obviously, a lot more in the bubble. And, you know, that pick and roll, that pick and pop um, really was working and really got us on that 16-2 run in the third quarter. So that's really yeah. what stood out to me more than anything um, and just, you know, we'll talk about areas of improvement, but damn, Crusoe's got to be able to hit an open shot, man. I well, mean, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't harbor on the guy too much, but right. I mean, I, we'll talk about a bunch of the positives, but one thing that was just glaring to me was like, 
damn man, you got to make that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that there's a few Lakers you could say that to, including two in the starting lineup that just have not been making open shots. And that was a big reason why they lost that game on Saturday night to the Toronto Raptors, as well as the Raptors played. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from them. I, I've been a fan of the Raptors all season long. There's been no significant drop-off uh, from them. So we're going to get to that in a sec. But one more thing I wanted to say about Waiters. One of the more underrated aspects, and I don't know if you were paying attention to this, he was driving last Thursday night in the opener against the Clippers against Reggie Jackson. Reggie's a pretty big guard, by the way. Re- Reggie and Dion, I want to say, about the same height. Reggie's a little more slender, a little more athletic. Waiter's a little bit thicker ar- around, the, around, the, around the build. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Drove to the hoop, and Jackson bounced right off of him. Right off of him. And I yeah. said to myself, one of, and, I, and not only did I say this to myself, but I, tw- I think I tweeted it out too. One of the more underrated aspects about Dion Waiter's is his frame and just the fact that he's a thick guard that could absorb contact, but it, it doesn't uh, prevent him from finishing at the rim. So I think that's been a big aspect with Dion that pre- is going to present challenges to opposing guards, especially guards off the bench who tend to be longer, more athletic, or sometimes shorter. So how, how are they going to, when he puts his head down and drives, how are they going to, unless they're right in front of him, how are they going to stop him? Uh, for, from getting to the cup and scoring because that frame is difficult to contend with if you don't have this, the right kind of personnel to kind of keep him off that uh, off that lane. If he's one-on-one going downhill, I've seen it. Right or left, he, he's able to finish, obviously being an, uh, an NBA player in the rotation. I know we had a, a, a talk about this a couple pods ago on who was going to make more than likely to make it into the rotation, J.R. or uh, Dion, and it looks like it's both of them. Both mm. of them have played – Every game so far, even J.R. Smith got in 14 minutes last night. Dion played 19. Right. Uh, J.R. obviously, you know, you know, had four points, uh, one field goal. But um, both of those guys are in the rotation. Uh, looks like they leapfrog Quinn Cook and um, which we didn't expect. Jared Jared Dudley, yeah, which is expected. Right, and even Markeith has not been getting many minutes. I think he's only made one appearance so far in these first three games. Why is that? Yeah, I, I think the matchups haven't quite dictated that yet. I think Markeith is going to be a matchup kind of guy. I want to say because he was late to the party, he might still be working his way back into game shape. Maybe, uh, maybe Frank Vogel wants to get him a few more practices. I'm not too sure. But now that I think the, the West has been clinched, I want to say you're going to see more minutes for guys like Markeith Morris, for Jared Dudley, for uh, J.R. Smith. I think you're going to see that a little bit more often just so they can get the reps in, play themselves into shape, and then hopefully one or two of those guys could crack the rotation. But I think the fact of the matter was Frank Vogel wanted uh, his rotation to look a certain way these first three games, and I think matchups had a lot to do with that. Right. Okay. Uh, Just my I mean, opinion. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, with with Markeith, I no, you're right. You're, you're right about you're right about pretty much every point that you just made. Um, I just I'm concerned because he played so well in that Clipper game, yeah, and so well in that Bucks game to to close in March before the hiatus. Um, just you know, curious as to why he's not getting minutes, but um, he's the only player that didn't play last night. Anthony Davis played an astonishingly astonishingly. A high amount of minutes last night, thirty-nine yeah. for a regular season game going into the playoffs. So it was very, very. They wanted that game, Chaz. Yeah, they they they, 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 they wanted that game. They wanted that game to bounce back against Toronto, win the West, and now there's not as much pressure on these next five games 
to say like, oh God, we got to win it. Otherwise we may slide to two or something like that, which was never going to be a big thing. But they wanted that game last night so they could clinch it. And now they can kind of relax, decompress a little bit. And now there's not as much pressure on these next five games. And we don't lose back-to-backs. That, that's that's another thing, two, yeah. Two, two games in a, in a row. I think, I'm not sure if we Once or sure twice have, this year, yeah. I think, maybe, I think maybe once or twice, but our theme all year is, hey, we, if we lose one, we'll, we'll get it back next one. And, mm-hmm. and for the most part, they, they held their word on that all season long. But, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see that everybody's in good shape. Mm. Everybody's in good spirits. Mm. Uh, we, we had a, quite a few updates. Um, yeah, why don't you hit us with that? Once you hit those, come through, come through in the last few hours. Uh, a lot's going on. Rondo, we'll start with him. He's actually three weeks into his first, uh, into three weeks into his four to six week prognosis time line. Um, he's actually going to be. Vogel said he's going to be traveling to the bubble within the next week or so. He's going to spend some time outside of the bubble before he comes in to start his quarantine. Um, and I think that Rondo's going. We'll see Rondo realistically by the time the playoffs start. Uh, which is ex- which is exactly two weeks uh, from yesterday, being you know August the third. So, um, and also more than anything, Vogel said that overall, waiters um, he's he's feeling pretty good physically these last few games. He said he's sore. Um, he's he's not gonna lie, but having that competitive spirit and having his juices going again, he's feeling really really good, and he's fitting in more than anything. He didn't you know figure that he was gonna play. As much as he is um, with Bradley and Rondo, he didn't anticipate those guys being out when he mm-hmm. first joined the team. But, well, Rondo you know, especially, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes things just kind of work out in your favor, and he's making the most of his time on the floor, and you know, he's getting nicknames, and you know, giving us a really good feeling about what he can do come playoff time. And, and last but not least, last update: uh, Vogel acknowledged that the starting lineup struggles have been. Uh, pretty bad in terms of plus minus overall. Said it's been in large part due to not hitting shots. Uh, <clears throat> Danny Green, but um, <clears throat> KCP, KCP as well. <laughs> but uh, he says that they can play at a quicker pace, and that'll come along just with time. And these next, I'd say, what five games are really going to be just fine tuning and getting back to where we were uh, in March prior to the hiatus. So <laughs> a few updates that came out and. I'm, it's right in line with what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and you know we're just looking forward to August 17th. Really, at this point, use these last five games to five to fine tune, and we're off and rolling. You know, we have to pinch ourselves too and say that there's only been six games total, and not every. Obviously, three of those games are scrimmage games. Some of those games, LeBron didn't appear in. Some of those games, Anthony Davis didn't appear in. Uh, so, I mean, and, and some of those games, these guys didn't, didn't play many minutes. So for a lot of these guys, I know, I know you look at some of these other teams like, oh man, so-and-so has been on fire. Look at TJ Warren. He's been on fire. This guy's been killing it. That guy's been killing it. Everybody's been different, but then there's also been some guys who've just been struggling, struggling to make shots. That's just how it is. I mean, Danny Green has not had a great season shooting the basketball. I actually think KCP has been better percentage wise than Danny Green has, but here, here's the thing of it. Let me throw out these three stats at you for things that, you want to talk about improvement, it's been three-point shooting. 11 of 36 uh, against the Clippers, 10 of 40 against the Raptors, 9 of 26 against the Jazz. 26% three-point shooting in three games. And here's the and here's the thing. These haven't been difficult, contested looks over two guys. These have been open looks. 
Open looks for Danny Green. Open looks for KCP. Open looks for Caruso, for Deion Waiters, for LeBron, for AD. And they're just not finding the the hole. I mean, that's just really what it is. But the way I see it, you're 2-1 and one against three really good teams by missing 74% of your three-point shooting. How's it going to look when, you, when, when that number goes from 26 to about 35, which I think is where you want to be? How is that going to look? Lakers are going to be very difficult to to stop by there. So, I mean, three-point shooting, it's like hitting in baseball, Chaz. I told you this off the record. One night you can go four for four, you know, drive in four or five runs. The next night you go 0 for five with three strikeouts and and just two, and two pop-ups. That's just how it is. Look at the Clippers. Clippers set a franchise record last Saturday against the Pelicans, against the against – the, um, uh, who they played to the Phoenix Suns? Suns. Yeah, that was a, that was a stunning loss, by the way. Thanks to Devin Booker. Uh, I, I want to say I, I don't even think they hit ten or eleven threes. I can't. I don't have the stat off my hands, but they definitely didn't hit twenty five. They were missing a lot more open looks. So I mean, it just goes to show you three point shooting here today, gone tomorrow. If you don't believe that, talk to the Golden State Warriors. As great as, as the Warriors have been, there were plenty of nights where they, they put up 11 of 36, 10 of 40, and were able to dig out wins because that's what great teams do. You, you, you win different ways. So am I concerned about the Lakers' three-point shooting? Yes and no. I'm concerned in the fact that they're missing shots, but at the same point in time, they're good looks. So if you're a good shooter and you're getting open looks, eventually they're going to start to fall. So hopefully over these next five games, they, you know, the, these role players like Green, KCP, Caruso, Waiters, uh, Kuzma, LeBron, they'll start making more, and their confidence will go up, and then you'll have the rhythm going into the playoffs. It's it's all rhythm. It's all legs. Not to say that these guys are tired, but it's you have to play – There's you have to play games in order to get into game shape. Mm-hmm. So you can be in shape, and a lot of these guys, everybody stayed in shape for the most part Yeah, uh, coming back into the bubble. But there's nothing like game shape. Yeah. So, so the by reps. the time these, the rest of these five games are played, shots, cutting, chemistry with with bringing in two new guys, really three new guys, because Markeith, you know, he only played a handful of games prior to the hiatus. I think he was on the team for no more than what three weeks mm-hmm. prior prior to thing prior to things going yeah. off. So. Um, you know, you're, you're integrating guys and, and you're making sure everybody's comfortable and you're trying to make sure that your stars remain healthy, but also getting them a good lather as well um, to make sure that they're in a good rhythm to make sure the team is all together. Uh, it was really a good encouraging sign to see LeBron hit a few deep threes in the fourth quarter of, yeah. of the game uh, against the Jazz uh, to really, you know, extend that lead and put the game away more than anything. Um, the game actually was a little bit closer towards the end than you know it really should have been right. uh, by giving by giving up a few big threes as well. But uh, Anthony Davis really closed it out with that uh, between the legs step back four point play over Rudy Gobert, and you know that that, that was all she wrote. But uh, more than anything, I'm just excited that number one we have Lakers, bas- Lakers basketball back. Number two, we clinch the number one seed, and number three, 13 days until we see playoff basketball. Guys, it's been seven years. Three months, six days since the last time we saw the Lakers play a playoff, a meaningful playoff basketball game. And mind you, that was when Dwight was thrown out. Uh, he got ejected. I remember game four in the tunnel, yelling at Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, and then Kobe had, Kobe had to come out after that and sit on the bench and let everybody know, "Hey, man, I'm still here." So 
Um, oh, that was a rough series. I mean, they were just ravaged by injuries. Nash went down in the middle of that series. Ron Artest went down. Steve Blake. I mean, everybody. First stringers, second stringers. I think Pau Gasol was the only regular that was in there. He was playing with guys like Darius Morris and uh, Andrew Gavlock. By the way, two more names for you <laughs> that Godlock. were that were during during that time. Yeah. Remember, I think he was known as the Mini Mamba. So <laughs> my my point, yeah. So yeah, the, the Lakers. By the way, what you just described with the uh, with the timeline, it, you know, somebody could misconstrue that as like a prison sentence. But I guess for a lot of Laker fans, these last seven years have been like a prison sentence, which is awful basketball, no postseason. It's almost like you've been barred off from the playoffs. So I guess in a lot of ways, it is kind of like that. But yeah, do the Lakers have things to improve on? Sure. And I I think the one word I would talk about or I would use to talk about their play, has been sporadic. I think you've seen flashes, they look great, like at the beginning of the Clipper game, and then you have those lulls, like how the second quarter of that Clipper game ended and how that third quarter started. Same thing with uh, with the Toronto Raptors. They were down 10 nothing against the Raptors. So, I mean, the starts have been really rough. And uh, in the first quarter and the third quarter, and that's obviously indicative of the first unit. So guys have got to come out ready to play. They have got to be ready to knock down shots. They have got to be aggressive. And, uh, I mean, it's it's something that continues to be a work in progress because they, they've played so many games with Avery Bradley in that starting lineup. So now KCP has to get – he's got to get reacclimated with that first unit. And Danny Green just has to knock down shots. That's just what it is. Danny Green just has to knock down shots. And these are guys who not only have to knock down shots, they've also got to be ready to defend some of these more elite guards. Kyle Lowry cannot have a game like he had on Saturday night where he just ran those opposing guards just out of the building. Uh, So, I mean, those types of things need to get improved on. And if not, then Frank Vogel has got to be like, okay, what direction do I go in? Do I consider starting an Alex Caruso? Do I consider starting, uh, who knows, J.R. Smith? Maybe just to give us a little bit more energy off the top. JR's got a, got a history of starting next to LeBron those days in Cleveland. So if one of those guys, especially KCP, uh, but even Danny Green, I, I mean, the thing is Danny Green's resume speaks for itself. So you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if those guys continue to struggle at the beginning of games and you're digging yourself in an early hole, especially in these next two games against a competent uh, Thunder team and a really good Rockets team, I think Frank Vogel may consider trying some things because now you've got five games to do it. Why not? So let's let's get in, into that a little bit. Uh, talk about some areas of improvement, you know, for our Laker team going into the playoffs. Playoffs are thirteen days away. Uh, we've already clinched the number one seed as we've as we've talked about. Yeah. Um, the top area of improvement, in my opinion. We talked. I talked about it on the post game show with with Devon. Shout out Devon and, and Showtime Forum. It's a great post game uh, show. Be sure to watch that every night, guys. Every yeah. after after Laker games. Yep, check out that post game show. Um, Javale McGee. He has been a non factor mm. in the starting lineup thus far, and we talked about possibly taking him out of the lineup. And I said no. If there, we're, we're number one. When does he play if he doesn't start? So you're going to have to try and find find time. And then also, moreover than that, I don't know about the confidence that you're going to take away from him by, by doing that and taking him out of the lineup. And then who do you start for him instead? So there's a lot of different factors in going into that. But uh, JaVale McGee, Danny Green, transition defense, turnovers. Mm, yeah. 
Um, three-point shooting, just, as we and, talked and, about. Three-point yeah. shooting. That, th- th- those are the areas of improvement that I would like to see addressed in these last five games of the regular season prior to the playoffs. What say you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I talked about the three-point shooting. It's just about making open looks because if you're not making open looks, now it makes it easier for a great defensive team like the Toronto Raptors to key in on LeBron James, to key in on Anthony Davis, to get the ball out of their hands. And, I mean, they're already a very good team-oriented uh, defensive squad as it is. I mean, that's just how it, how it is. And now you're, you're making it e- you're shortening the floor for them even more because they know, okay, these other guys aren't making anything tonight, so we're going to continue to dare them to make threes. And uh, until they start making a couple of them and forcing us to pay attention to them, we're going to continue to key in on it on the Anthony Davises, on the, on the LeBron James, because that's just what it is. So shout out to Nick Nurse for, for that defensive strategy. And the fact was that personnel – can defend the L.A. Lakers. That's just what it is. They have long, athletic guys. They've got a former defensive player of the year in Marcus Saul. They've got a really good defensive forward in Serge Ibaka who's been blocking shots and rebounding and playing physical for years. Siakam is like a gazelle. He can match up with almost anybody. OG Ananubi is really good. Norman Powell. These guys can match up with many different wings and forwards, and they don't back down from any challenge. The fact of the matter was the Lakers lost that game in the fourth quarter uh, because well, one, their defense started to to go downhill. I mean, they couldn't. I mean, they just couldn't stop the Raptors at that point. And two, their three point shooting remained atrocious. So that's just really what it was. But the fact of the matter was that game was still at hand. They they still had a shot to win it up until the seven minute mark of that fourth quarter when Toronto started pulling away. So give the Raptors credit. They're 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 playing for seating and whatnot, but. They've got to make open shots. Danny Green was 0 for 6 from downtown, and I, and I want to say all six of those shots were open looks. So that just can't, that, that can't that can't happen. So yeah, the turnovers is another thing. The execution, but once again, I I put that on rust on not having enough reps together at hand. So I think that's going to improve the more games you play. Uh, rebounding, another thing. They were out. They were a minus 11 against the Raptors on Saturday night. That's got to improve. So. Uh, I agree. I agree with everything that. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said, and I think what it comes down to. We've known this all along. We know what we're going to get from LeBron. We're pretty sure we know what we're going to get from Anthony Davis. Who's going to be that third guy on a consistent basis? When those two are uh, maybe struggling or whatnot, who's going to be that third guy or fourth guy to step up? And we're still expecting a Green, a KCP, a Caruso, a Waiters, somebody along those lines to to fill that void. It would be Kuz if Vogel would play him at, th- at least 30 minutes a And Kuz game. played good, by the way. I just I mean, want to say, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Kuz has been good, but he's not getting consistent minutes. There, For whatever reason, I'm not sure why, mm. Kuz only played, what, 23 minutes last night? 25? He's got to... If LeBron and AD are playing over 30, why isn't Kuz playing? Especially now, sorry to interrupt, especially now that Kuz has actually been more committed on the defensive end, especially in that Clipper game, he looked great. Why would you, with Avery Bradley and Rondo out, why would you not put, that's what I don't get. So, Mm. number one, Vogel has to get his lineup straight. Yeah. I mean, mean, he's been a coach of the year candidate all year. Obviously, he didn't win the award, neither did Nick Nurse. It was Billy Donovan and Mike Budenholzen. Uh, of the OKC Thunder and the Milwaukee Bucks, no surprise. But Vogel's got to get his rotations down. He's, he's got to figure out who's going to go in and, and when and how long. And I'm sure he's in the process of figuring that out now. But 
Kyle Kuzma has to play 30-plus minutes every game at this point. Number two, perimeter defense. More, even more than open shooting, which has been which has been hurting us, obviously, I'm not worried about it because those shots are going to fall because we're finding the open looks like LeBron said. He said, mm-hmm. I'm not worried worried about that. But our perimeter defense, holy cow. We, we are not defending at a high level whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're missing Avery Bradley and even missing Rondo. I know some people get on Rondo for taking gambles and, you know, things of that nature. But defensively, he's a good team defender. He gets people in place. He's a smart guy, and he's able to take gambles and filter mm-hmm. uh, the players down to Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee to, to get contested shots. Right. But our our perimeter defense, we're relying on, you know, Caruso's a good defender, but we're really relying on KCP, Danny Green, Quinn Cook, LeBron, and the big and, and the big guys to be that last line of defense to erase the mistakes. Yeah, so that's that. I mean, that's. I'm. I'm just telling you guys now. We're gonna get cooked all playoffs. All playoffs long on the perimeter. If we face Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and CP3 like we do the next game, mm-hmm. probably gonna get cooked. Harden and Westbrook. Harden Westbrook probably gonna get cooked. If we see Damian and and CJ on the Portland Trailblazers, and we'll get into that in the next topic. Probably going to get cooked, so hmm. don't be surprised. But our team defense has to be uh, what really props us up. LeBron has to be able to find open shooters and to be able to offset for the lack of defense that we'll have on the perimeter because we don't have Avery Bradley and right now no Rondo. We're going to have to make those open shots more often than not and find a way to surge and go on a run in the third or fourth quarter to be able to pull away and and seal the deal on getting a W. But those are the things that are sticking out to me as a sore thumb moving forward. And mm. if we can correct, number one, getting Kuzma more minutes, at least 30 more, 30-plus 30 minutes a game, Vol getting his rotations down and playing better perimeter defense, will be just fine. Those are good points. I think the perimeter defense is huge, especially against guards. I think against wings, you could trust LeBron, you could trust Anthony Davis, uh, wings and forwards. I, I think those guys uh, can, can hold their own. And I think even KCP has been pretty solid defensively. I just think it's against these smaller guards. And this reminds me of the issue that the Lakers had during those championship years is the fact that who's gonna, who, who can we use to match up against these smaller, quick guards like Russell Westbrook at the time? And uh, I can't remember who, uh, Darren Williams and Chris Paul and, and guys like that who were obviously younger. I mean, they were legit point guards and they were a lot younger, a lot quicker, a lot more explosive. Derek Rose, guys like that. Uh, there was always that concern. So this that issue that you're talking about kind of reminds me of that, and we've kind of seen it uh, over the last two games. Van Vliet and Lowry for the Raptors on Saturday night picked apart the Laker defense, and that allowed them to either score themselves or collapse the Laker defense and kick it out to the shooters or to the big men uh, for, for the open shot. So this goes back to Green and KCP have got to utilize their length and their size against those smaller guards, but it's not going to do any good if you can't keep those guys in front of you. So to really defend, Chaz, you got to do it as a team. But also, too, you're right. Those guys have got to do a better job keeping those guards in front of them. And they're talented. I mean, you're not going to stop Donovan Mitchell from going off. You're not going to stop Harden from going off. You're not going to stop Westbrook or Lowry or Lillard or anybody else you face from going off. They're going to find ways to be effective. Jamal Murray, too, uh, for for the Denver Nuggets, assuming you you face off against them. Uh, So it's just about communicating with one another and not getting burnt so easily. And if you do get burnt 
and now McGee or Dwight has got to come up, come out, uh, come over to help. You've got to help the helper get to their man, box out okay. a seven footer. Yeah, that's what it really comes down to. Or if somebody comes down to help them, you go out. So you've got to really pay attention and not just start cherry picking or lollygag on the play or or say that hey, I got fouled or it's an offensive foul. Just continue to play and help the helper. That is what will allow the Lakers to erase a lot of those mistakes. Absolutely, absolutely. I, or at least I better compensate for it. Yeah. There's, there's. I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. That that's pretty much it. All we have to do is make sure that we rotate defensively, and it, it's just the defense. The defense is is the most glaring part, and if we can get that right, and we can play the number one rated defense like we did to begin the season when we started, and we can get back to that, yeah, have no issues whatsoever with or in the confidence in what we'll be able to do in the playoffs. So and, and by, well said, yeah, yeah. better. Thanks, man. And and like I said, I don't think the defense has been horrible. That's the thing. I, I don't really think it's been horrible. I just think it hasn't been consistent enough. And once again, I still go back to shaking off the rust, getting the reps in, getting back on that same page. And sometimes it takes a few games. Think about it like this. They had four and a half months off, right? Between the shutdown to when the bubble restarted. That's the equivalent of, of an off season. So these six games would basically be the equivalent of training camp, of exhibition yep. games. So that's we, we've got to keep that into perspective on this. And the thing is, I don't think that, like I said before, the defense hasn't been horrible. It was better in the second half uh, than in the first half uh, on uh, Monday night against the Utah Jazz. So hopefully they can look at the film. What do we do wrong? What do we do right? How do we come out with that type of intensity and energy and keep it consistent throughout the 48 minutes like we were doing back in February and March when we were really starting to lock in on that end of the floor. So until they figure that aspect out, you're going to see those moments of being sporadic. And I just think some of these other teams, they're they're fighting for a lot more. So their intensity, their energy is coming out hotter because they know, hey, we're either playing for positioning or we're playing for our playoff lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Speaking of playoff lives, there's some other teams that are playing for their playoff lives right now, as we speak, actually, as we're as we're recording this. Portland is playing Houston. They're two, I'm sorry, one and one in mm-hmm. the bubble thus far. Memphis has had a huge blow at the eighth seed with Jaron Jackson Jr. going out, right. going down for the season. What a blow, man. Um, torn meniscus. Torn, torn meniscus. Um, they're 0-3 in the bubble thus far. Uh, the Pelicans haven't played Zion up up until last game against the Grizzlies. Didn't really play Zion in, in, in that first game mm-hmm. against, was it Dallas, I believe? No, no, no. They, they played Utah on, on right Utah. before the Laker game against I'm the Clippers. Sorry. Yes, yeah. they, they played Utah to, to, to the first game, regular season game, in the bubble. Lost by two, in my opinion, because you didn't have Zion on the floor for the last four to six minutes of the game. So, as a result, the Spurs have come up, and they have a possibility now. The Phoenix Suns, believe it or not, are less than a game out in the loss column to to possibly get into that ninth seed. And it's going to be a fight to the finish to see exactly who's going to make it into that ninth seed because I guarantee you now there is going to be a play-in because with the standings being where they are right now, um, there's only two games that separate the eighth and the ninth seed and overall you just have to be within four games to have some kind of play in so 
clearly there's going to be some kind of plan. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to be um, that eighth and that ninth seed. And I don't, I don't know if it sounds possible, but could Memphis possibly fall out of the eighth seed and fall to tenth and by the time these next five games are played? What do you think? Definitely possible. Now that they've been dealt this blow on Jaron Jackson Jr., they haven't really played that well. We talked about Memphis. Yeah, they got a three and a half game lead, but that's a that's a loose. That's not a chokehold. Even with three, and a, even with only eight games to go. They needed to come out, and they needed to win that first game against Portland. That was huge. I thought once they dropped that game, I'm like, oh, boy, now things really get interesting. If they would have won that first game, I think, once again, that sigh of relief, the decompression, not feeling the weight of that bubble on your shoulder right there, man. Uh, I, but I really thought that that was, a, that was a big blow, and now they've lost to the Pelicans. What was, who's the third team they lost to? I know they lost to the Pelicans and, and Portland. Um, I, I can't think of the third team. That they that they may have lost to anyway. I believe I believe it was Denver. Oh, okay. So they lost to Denver too. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. So yeah, so they're starting to lose control right now. And now with their sec, arguably their second best player out, it's going to be really tough. A lot more now on John Morant. I and once again, these guys are not battle tested. They haven't been through this before. I mean, maybe Valanciunas has, and that's and, and Anthony Tolliver. So that's been it. Uh, but yeah, they don't really have veterans to help them guide through. I I, I was just thinking how much of a luxury it would have been for them to have an Andre Iguodala or a Jay Crowder on that sideline right now. Guys who've been there, who've done that, who've won championships. Well, not Crowder, but uh, Iguodala's won championships to help guide them through this. Uh, but now they don't have that. And a team like Portland, with a healthy Zach Collins, healthy Yusuf Nurkic, yeah, they don't have Trevor Reza, but they still got Carmelo Anthony. Gary Trent Jr. has played well for them. To me, I still think they find a way to, to pull it out, but... You can't overlook San Antonio. They've been playing really well through the first three games. Pelicans, if they start playing Zion Williamson at the end of games, they've got a lot, they've got a lot of experienced vets. Of vets, they can they can find themselves in there. So, I think it it's to me it's going to come down to Portland and San Antonio. Okay. Correction, really quick. It was actually the Spurs that are the third team that the. Um, Grizzlies lost to. Grizzlies lost okay. to. Yeah, they lost lost a tough game by two. Actually, Jaron Jackson hit two big threes, and they actually should have won that game he was if they didn't so foul good, man. Demar 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 Derozan and sent him to the line, and which is you know what lost them. That hey, game. shout out to the Spurs, man! Everyone thought after Lamarcus Aldridge opted for that rotator cuff surgery that they they were just going to be in that casket. But man, I tell you, Pop has those guys ready to play, and a lot of those young guys are stepping up. Derozan's look good, so shout out to to the Spurs, man! They just find a way. Every year, <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the Spurs. Can't can't hate on them. Uh, they're twenty nine and thirty seven. Uh, just a game behind Portland, who's about a game and a half behind Memphis. So my my pick for the eighth seed. Put it down now. It's going to be Portland. Damon CJ versus and Nurkic against LeBron AD and Kuzma. It's going to be, it's going to be a matchup. Uh, it's great for the fans. Great for really both sides of the of you know the entire NBA, East and West, uh, overall for fans. But um, I'm nervous. I was actually a little bit more scared of the Pelicans. Uh, at first, you talked me out of that uh, because that just doesn't make sense because we're not even really playing Zion, and you've got to be scared of, of Dame time in terms of what he did to the last time he was in Staples Center uh, on that first game after uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, unfortunately had passed. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Mamba. Yeah, R.I.P. Mamba. Uh, Damian Lillard put on a show, and I believe he had a 50-piece 
Did he have 50? Or it was I, I think he had 43 or something, but he went off in that, in that second half. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he went off. So to me, I mean, Memphis is out. They lost Jaron Jackson. They've already lost three games. They, they're going to have to win these last, these next five and win at least one play-in game to, to secure the seed. If they do, great. But the chances are with the Blazers coming on their heels, the, the Spurs playing great recently, and the Pelicans you know, having a lot of young talent, my pick is going to be the Blazers, and I, I, unfortunately, I don't want to see them. Of course. Um, the Blazers? That's, 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 that's probably going to be it. The, okay, let me tell you this, and I, I did, this just came to me right now. I'm going to throw in a baseball reference. The Blazers are to the Lakers what the Washington Nationals were to the Dodgers. They're the one team nobody wants to see in the first round because they're not your prototypical eight seed. The Washington Nationals were not your prototypical wildcard team. There was a lot of experience across that roster. They had a great pitching staff, and what happened? They took Game 5 on the road at Dodger Stadium in extra innings. Not saying that could happen in a, in a seven-game series between the Lakers and, and Portland, but my point is, you have got to take, you, you know, you may think, well, we've got the experience. Portland's got a lot of experience. Don't forget, just one year ago, they were in the conference finals, but even before that, Dame... CJ, Nurkic, Mello, I mean, a lot of guys on that squad have got playoff experience. They've been there. They've been doing it for years. The bright lights, the big stage does not phase them. And now with no home court advantage, I mean, it's, it's essentially a level playing field. So, yeah, Portland is the team I think would be the most intriguing matchup, but it's a matchup as Laker fans you do not want to see. Just my opinion. Yeah, they're... They're not, like you said, your protocol to prototypical eighth seed. They're a completely different team. <laughs> yeah. Now that they have Zach Collins and Nurkic, they, they have got that size in there now. Yeah. And, uh, to go with Hassan Whiteside, mm-hmm. and who they who they traded for, and to go with Dame and CJ and Melo, who's hitting big big shots these days. He's doing he's doing a great job playing off the ball, and I think he's also been a, a much more committed defender. I mean, he's still the guy you want to pick apart on a pick and roll, but I'm just saying he's still more committed on that end of the floor. Lakers may have may have floundered there a little bit, but then again, so did everybody else who passed on them the last two years. Right, right, exactly. So I mean, it, it's it'll be a battle, but I'm up for it. We've I think we only lost to the Portland Trailblazers once. Yeah, we beat them. We beat them uh, at least a couple times in their own building. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Nurkic and uh, Collins weren't on the floor, but um, I'm, I'm overall I don't think there's any team the Lakers are going to steamroll through the first two rounds. I think they'll play probably max 10 games between those two series. I think that they'll pull off a five-game series win against the Blazers, realistically, and assuming that they don't have to face Houston in the second round um, and they get OKC or Utah or even Denver, for that matter, if they fall down to the four seed, um, I think they'll steamroll through one of those teams in five games as well. But Houston is a wild, Houston is really the X-Factor wild card. I, Houston right now, I'm rooting for them to win every game that they can to get up to the three seed, so that way the Lakers don't have to see them in the second round if they get in the four or the five seed. Realistically, Houston's playing really good ball, actually probably the best uh, basketball in the bubble right now uh, with the hiatus, after the hiatus, and doesn't look like they're going to fall back down to the six seed. They're at four currently while they're, while they're playing the Portland Trailblazers while we're recording this. I really hope that they beat the Trailblazers because that gets the Blazers one more game away from you know the play-in and also gets Houston 
one more game uh, up towards the three seed to avoid the Lakers uh, in that part of the bracket and would face the Clippers in the second round as opposed to the Lakers, assuming both teams come out of the first round. So it's a good point. You know, yeah, that, no. that, that's what I'm hoping for. There's right a now. lot of there's definitely a lot of playoff uh, repercussions with every single game. I mean, I mean. This is just what it is. Everybody's playing for their for their playoff lives. I mean, not everybody, of course, but everyone is playing for certain positioning. Some guys are trying to go up, and some guys, I, I, I mean, some teams are just trying to get in, period. So, uh, yeah, you, you, I'm sure everybody's looking at the standings like, okay, we got to get to this because we don't want to face so-and-so in the first round. I'm sure in the Eastern Conference, they're all trying to stagger, trying to say, okay, we do not want to face the Toronto Raptors in the second round, so what can we do to slide out? out of three so we can get to four or something like that so there might in the east there might even be more incentive to lose so you don't have to face off against the toronto raptors who look really good on saturday night against the lakers so i mean everybody's playing for something yeah it's kind of different because normally we'd say well you're playing for home court right no you're playing right now for matchups you're playing for the most ideal matchup in the first and second round so we shall see what happens but here's the thing with portland at least what i've seen so far they they've dug themselves in too many big holes through these first couple of games, and I don't know what the situation is with the Rockets game, but that is the issue. And where that taxes them is that if you keep digging yourself into a big hole and think you could get out of it, there are gonna be times when these teams start clamping down on Dame and CJ, and who else from there is gonna step up? Is Carmelo? Can he be the guy that he was four or five years ago who can go off for 20, 25 points in, in a, in a you know, one-quarter, one- or two-quarter span? I don't know. So that's been the issue so far for the Blazers is the fact that they're not, they don't look that great defensively, one. And two, they're, they're, uh, they're digging themselves in too many deep holes, and that's going to come back and bite you. They're, they didn't dig a hole tonight against Houston. They're actually up by, by six when they're uh, currently about to head into halftime. So let's yeah. see if they can if they can keep that up in the second half. This is a huge game. Uh, I'm rooting for Houston to win this, like I said, for those reasons. And, you know, hopefully uh, we get some good seeding going into the playoffs for the Lakers. And I just want to see some good games and some good matchups. But overall, yeah. I, couldn't be, I couldn't be happier with Adam Silver, Michelle Roberts, the Players Union, uh, Bob Iger, of Disney, mm-hmm. everybody collaborating to put put this together. Um, even though there have been some players going in and out of the bubble, dealing <laughs> with personal things, right. getting re quarantined, whatever the case may be, zero positive tests on the last 346 uh, batch of tests that were publicized. Mm-hmm. And you know, I and the NBA is having flexibility as well because now they've implemented it to where if there is a false positive or a false negative, or the, the test is inconclusive, mm-hmm. the player is still allowed to play as long as they test negative immediately uh, after the game, and then as well as 24 hours after the game uh, as well. Interesting. So they're, they're, having, they're having a lot of flexibility with that, and, you know, just kind of, I know they say fine by the seat of their pants, but literally doing what they can in order to be flexible and, and be collaborative at the same time to make sure that the NBA crowns a champion more than anything. 
that's that's the biggest thing. And right now they're doing a great job. Even Lou Williams, you saw him on uh, Tuesday afternoon against the against the Phoenix Suns. So that was also a welcome sight, knowing that he did not test uh, positive or anything like that. He did his ten days uh, in in the quarantine, and everything checked out. So I mean, they're doing a great job. And by the way, shout out also to the medical staffers who are conducting these tests, who are uh, uh, going through the processing, putting uh, putting the tests in the labs, and and doing their job. I'm sure it's been pretty mentally exhausting to do this because this isn't just a once a week type type of thing. This is every day and 350 uh, players and uh, coaches, personnel. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're doing a great job. So shout out to them as well because I know their job isn't, isn't easy as, at all. And anyone who's right. conducting I these massive so. tests throughout L.A. County and, and beyond. So shout out to all of them. Props to those guys. Hey, Chaz, before it's before we wrap up, you had a shout-out, man. Somebody's B-Day? Oh, yeah. Hey, man, we, we jumped right into it. I actually forgot, but uh, I didn't forget this morning. Mom, happy birthday. My mom, Donna, uh, turned uh, an undisclosed age today. and An age to be announced happy. later. <laughs> <laughs> She's up in Santa Barbara with my dad for the day. Nice. And enjoying beautiful weather and you know taking the day off i know uh, she's she's an administrator for a uh, high school so she took the day off with, with school starting uh with kids going back well actually they're not back in school but they're yeah. you know they're on virtual they're online but shout out shout out to ma dukes uh on her birthday and you know i actually got a few other birthdays I got my sister next week and then my dad at the end of the month so oh. i'll be i'll be i'll be busy ordering stuff for those guys uh for this month but yeah appreciate that time and Shout out to the, to my family and especially my mom. Happy birthday, mom! For sure, man. It sounds like August is to your family what October is to mine. October, we got like ten birthdays within within oh, my my family, man. It's crazy. <laughs> You're doing what we doing what we can during these quarantine times with with getting together, but you know, yeah, it's Zoom tough. calls, FaceTime, whatever it is. There you go. Make it work. That's all we can do, man. And all we can do is continue to watch the Lakers. They got the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got the Rockets coming up later on this week. So some good tests there. And Anthony Davis said it best. We're just going to try to go out there and win. But I wonder now that the West is one, you see that little X next to your name next uh, on the standings, if there will be just a natural mental decompression and letdown where for some of these other teams, they're fighting for positioning. So a lot more for those teams to win than the Lakers. But I still think the Lakers are going to come out and they want to try to send a message to, to those squads who could be potential second-round opponents. So you don't want them to get a mental edge either. Last thing, the Nets beat the Milwaukee Bucks today. So the, actually the Lakers are one game out for the for the top overall best Bucks are what, in, one and in, two? In the league. Uh, the Bucks, I believe, are two and one thus far. No, they lost the, two games, dude. They lost to the Rockets, didn't they? They did lose to the Rockets. They lost to the Rockets. Yeah. game on Sunday. I completely forgot. And a great game. James Harden went, went off, and Russell Westbrook played great. And Daniel House has been shooting great for, for, for Houston. But, yeah, the Bucks are 1-2, and two, and the Lakers are one game. I know it doesn't matter for you know what? or anything Hey, like shout-out to Brooklyn. The best record. Shout-out to Brooklyn. Sorry to interrupt, Jess. Shout-out to Brooklyn, man. Those guys have been playing so hard, so well. They're down their stars. They're down key role players. They got hit the hardest with, with how many players tested positive and opted out, and yet they are still showing up every single night to play. I mean, yeah, there's no pressure on them, but at the same point in time, to go out with that kind of heart, determination, grit, and just wanting to dig out win, that hashtag for their team, we go hard. It exemplifies everything that they're about. And shout out to Jock Vaughn. I know he's also auditioning for Sean Marks to, to, to be the permanent head coach and lose the interim tag. And 
He's done a ter- ter- uh, terrific job uh, so far, Spurs, keeping those guys engaged. Spurs and Nets. Spurs and Nets are, Spurs and are Nets. the two teams that, that are, that are uh, overproducing for themselves thus far in the bubble. So no doubt. It's, it, now, by the time you hear this, we'll probably have <laughs> another win against OKC. Hopefully we can beat OKC. The game Thursday against Houston is probably going to be the best game in the bubble uh, so far for the Lakers, and we'll see how uh, Volo does his rotations and his minutes. Take a look at that. Check me out on the post-game show with Devon. Yes. And after every game, live on Twitter, at Showtime Forum. Where can they follow you, Chris? You can always follow me at uh, on Twitter, at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, ccamelo1. Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Be sure to download and subscribe to all of our podcasts, all of our post-game stuff. It's always on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, YouTube, we're, we're all over the place. So if you're not following us, you are definitely missing out. We are we are putting out content for, for Laker Nation, for all the fans coming from two fans themselves. So uh, just, just throwing that out there. So be sure to download and subscribe to all of our content every single week. And check out our new revamped Showtime Form website. You can go to ShowtimeForum.com. We got some new articles, some new writers uh, that we brought in. Uh, we got some new content. Um, check out the merch from Javier Golden Knight, a.k.a., and as well as Aldel de Toro, Can't Beat L.A. Got some great stuff on there. And you guys know where to follow me at on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson, and on Instagram, at Chaz underscore Jerron. Laker Nation, we are we yeah. Th- thank you, bro, uh, buddy. You back right back at you. you did a great show today, and keep doing a great job on the post game stuff with Devon. You're killing it. So thanks again, Laker Nation, for always tuning in every week. We love you. We appreciate you. We're five games before the playoffs. We're number one in the West for the first time uh, in eleven years. I mean, come on, man. Things can't be much better, right? But Let's continue to, continue to be safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And we'll be right back at you next week. Take care, everybody. Peace.